Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced childcare professional and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. So hello, welcome back to Turning Little Stones. And today I've got the joy actually of being with a musician. Her name is Linda Bance and she actually taught me a huge amount some years ago when I attended one of her workshops. So Linda, it's lovely, lovely to be here. Lovely to see you. Thanks for inviting me. Wonderful. So tell us how you got started. What, What was the beginning of this musical career? Well, funnily enough, I was with my mum this morning. She's over 90, and I was telling her about us meeting this afternoon. And I said one of the questions that you'd ask me is, how did it all begin? And it was lovely to see my mum's face light up with glee (laughs) and a little bit of cheekiness because she said that one day I came home from school, apparently I'd had a musical IQ test. And I'd come home with a letter, and it said that Linda had perfect pitch. And would I like Linda to start a musical instrument? And my father said, oh, well, depends on, you know, not the trumpet, not the violin. And, well, I came back about a month later with a violin. (laughs) And my poor dad was really worried about it and said what normally dads say is, oh, I need some earplugs and screech and screech. And and I probably did screech, but it just ignited something in me uh, with music. My granddad was hugely musical and he bought us a piano so that mum could play along with me. My my other granddad was a harmonica player in Mm. the pubs and we used to do all different sorts of things together so I've had music in my life for a long time Mm. but when I left school although I'd sort of gone through all the exams to go to Royal College etc my love at that time was a little girl who lived next door called Vonda and I used to look after Vonda and I was absolutely besotted by her ability to learn and I really loved anything to do with sort of education so how and, uh, old was, was Vonda? Vonda was two. OK, so little. And she used to mm. peer through the fence at me and mm. I and did a lot of babysitting for Vonda. Mm. So I, I left school and became a nursery nurse 
And at the time, I was still doing lots of music at school. I was yeah. in a band called The Fits, and there were just four of us girls who did lots of singing together. And I a, girl myself, a girl band. A girl band. And we played, I taught myself the guitar. Mm. So when I got into the Bracknell Road Nursery School in Abingdon, um, I was a student at the time and most students had to wash the paint pots and clean the loose but because I played the guitar oh. I was the one that did the music so it was yes. rather lovely and I started to realize that there was much more to the singing that I ever knew um, yeah. in yeah. terms of being engaging children. So you were training to be a nursery nurse at the time Absolutely. but realized that music and your musicianship just was a gift to those children. Well, I hoped it was, yes. I mean, we, we certainly yeah. had a lovely mm. time and we worked and we did some little programmes for Radio Oxford at the time. It was mm. a great time. Yeah. But then, And so then I left the country after my nursery nursing to become a nanny and, and um, travelled a bit and did some wonderful mm. work. And then I got back to my homeland and met my husband and um, we had a baby. And I got a call from somebody I'd worked at Radio Oxford to say, I hear you've had a baby and I'm doing some research at the Royal College of Music about um, um, bonding and attachment and singing. Would you be interested in coming along with baby Emily to do this? And that's really how my... Um, my interest really started to develop yeah. really as to and um, because I noticed a, instantly I started singing with Emily her whole mood changed yes. she was relaxed she was happy I was relaxed I was happy yes. things really developed nicely um so what years later I went back really to Trinity College of Music and with my my knowledge of child development and my music I was able to fuse the two and I at the time which was a long time ago, <laughs> it was quite unusual. And certainly for Trinity College of Music, it was unusual. Yes. They just thought it was cute. But I knew there was more to it than that. Mm. And so I've developed this whole passion, really, for extracting music out of young children. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Should we start with, with children? Childhood. Children are playful. How does that fit with musicianship I know you've you want music to be fun and playful you want children to enjoy music can you tell us a little bit about that and how you how you endeavor to do that well first of all our young children are so naturally curious and excited and spontaneous about anything and everything they're mm. eager and most importantly they're playful so sort of working on those natural attributes, we can encourage our song, our movement and our curiosity about sound making and all things musical. It's just such a joy. So one of the things I really loved about what you taught me, and I know that you've written about and you teach others, is your connection with young children, you want them to have fun making music. You, you recognise their playfulness. This isn't, this isn't hot housing. This is music is natural for young children. Indeed. I mean, I was told many years ago that we're all born musical. Mm -hmm. And what happens after that 
is dependent on whether we stay musical and let music be part of our lives. And our young children, they're so naturally curious. They're excited. They're excited. They're spontaneous. They're very eager to learn yeah. and they're very playful. Yeah. So homing on, on these natural attributes, we can encourage songs, movement and curiosity about sound. And I think those three things really, really resound with me when it comes to very young children. Yes, we want children to be musical, but we don't need to hot house them, as you say. And I think it's really important that we see that there's music in every child. How we do that, it's another question. Yeah. And it's, it's that curiosity, isn't it? And discovering how to make new sounds, that true creativity. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what is a, you know, what is a natural sound? Is it a, a baby with a metal spoon on a, on a tin? Mm -hmm. And however much that can be quite annoying and stress-making, it is a sound that our young children are making. And if we celebrate it and copy it and join in, then it, maybe it's yeah. helping towards understanding where sound's coming from, how we're making them. Yeah, I love that. Yes, because you're you're right. If we join in, you can have a sort of musical dialogue going on, so, can't you? And that you're developing that communication through music. Through music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know you have you you've written a beautiful book. I have it. Yes, it it was centre stage for me in practice. Music in the early years. So we'll signpost people to that in the show notes. Can't recommend it highly enough. But you have written in relative detail about how music connects with all different areas of children's development. So I suppose what we're doing is we're talking to the teachers, we're talking to practitioners who, who are concerned that we need to tick boxes for the EYFS or, or the national curriculum for parents who are concerned that their children are learning. Can you just very, very briefly give us a sort of snapshot of how music can tickle those little boxes? <laughs> That's lovely. Those little boxes are so very important, aren't mm -hmm. they? And uh, they're often a, a really difficult time for practitioners to actually man make sure that they are doing the right thing, if that's... And and also, as you say, parents want to know their children yeah. are learning. Yeah. And I look at, I look, let, let's, let's talk about the babies first of all. Mm. You know, babies are hugely musical. They recognise their mother's voice at birth. Yeah. And they recognise the ups and downs, the musical, yeah. the, the notes, the song of their mothers mm. at birth. They can make really fine oral discriminations about different things. They, they notice emotions and that's really important. They love being moved rhythmically. I noticed in one of your podcasts they talk about, you know, children rock to, to music and, oh, gosh, you know, they just can't stay still. As soon as a bit of music comes on, it's just wonderful. They shake, they, they tap, they lift, they drop objects while they explore what sort of sounds they make, mm. like I was talking about the spoon. Yes, yeah, so a baby, that would happen quite accidentally. Absolutely. But then they realise that's made a noise, there's been cause and effect there, yeah. hasn't there? Yeah. And we can just celebrate that, yeah. you know, and just uh, try very hard not to say shh or mm. be quiet and just maybe celebrate it. Actually feel much better 
about everything if we celebrate it and join in. Yeah. I think it's great fun. Yeah. And as adults, being musical with babies, we can do lots of different things, you know, singing songs about different aspects of the day. And we can play a wide variety of recorded music while we're dancing or whether we're listening. And it, and it very much depends on what us as adults like as to what our children will enjoy. And mm. that's really nice. And um, we can introduce sort of rich rhymes and stories and use lots of expression that can really help our babies. And then with our musical toddlers, we've got something else here because they don't like to stay still. <laughs> they are learning, aren't they, to move. Yeah. And how dare we even say, keep still or be yeah. quiet. Yeah. So responding to our toddler's movement is really wonderful. And we can do the lots of rhythms and pulse with our children and, you know, make musical instruments out of tins and cardboard boxes and saucepans and wooden spoons. So rhythm is a natural lead-in to, to maths or numeracy? Or... It certainly could be, Yeah, absolutely. All those patterns that we make yeah. with rhythm, yeah. they can, yes, absolutely. Skipping. Song. And then with our preschool children, our children, you know, just hungry for learning, just maybe going into some sort of nursery or reception class. We mustn't forget how spontaneous our young children are and how wonderful their songs are. Yeah. So thinking about maybe making time to make sure that the songs of our children are heard and celebrated, maybe even recorded, that's a lovely thing to do. But they're also learning control at this moment. So when we're playing musical instruments, we might well be able to do rhythm patterns and you know develop those patterns, develop that idea of pulse. And they're also open-eared which we mustn't forget. They are open to anything. So let's try everything, you know, all different sorts of genres of music from our cultures, from the cultures working around us, from the cultures of our families. Let's bring that all in to make a nice rich tapestry of music for our young children. Oh, beautiful phrase, rich tapestry <laughs> of music. You. You've spoken about weaving music into everyday life. We heard from Georgina Hood, uh, a couple of episodes back and she was saying, if you think something, you're just happier doing it. But I love what you're, you're saying. You could just, just be doing your chores and bringing music in, bringing... Mm. I, I think this is lovely. I, I'm just going to think about Harvey, my gorgeous grandson, mm -hmm. who has spent every Monday for the first three years of his life, nearly every Monday with me. And of course... Me being me, there's a song for everything. And we were singing a little while ago. He, there was a fly on the table while he was eating and he didn't like the fly and he was banging the table and getting quite aggravated by it. And I started singing, Shoe fly, don't bother me. Shoe fly, don't bother me. Shoe fly, don't bother me. I belong to somebody. And he's picked this up really, really quickly. And then I get a message from my son saying, what on earth is this song about shoe, shoe butterfly, shoe butterfly? <laughs> and Harvey taken that and he put his own words to it and, it and it was part of his singing around the garden and he was singing to all the butterflies around the garden through just learning this basic little song. I just think songs can really be helpful. They soothe, they excite, they distract. They help us with all those daily activities and rituals and chores that all of us have to do, making the musical 
just make them go really quickly, including yeah. brushing your teeth. Yeah. So, yes, I'm a great advocate of making up songs that uh, can just help us with our our lives. Yeah, yeah and, and in my experience with practitioners, you know, if you've got a child who is reluctant to do what is required at that point in time, like washing their hands before yeah. snack, if we turn that into a song, somehow, somehow it connects. Magic, absolutely magic. You mentioned a little bit earlier about somebody called Alison Davis. Alison Davis, uh, who I met uh, through uh, COVID, and we met through, I think she did some little Zoom uh, sessions. And Alison taught us, many of us, a little song. And it made me just realize just how a song can really change everything. You know, we were. It wasn't a nice time through COVID. No. And this song really helped a lot of families, I think. And it also helped a lot of practitioners use it. They used it with their children in the nurseries. Uh, it was a song called Every Little Cell in My Body is Happy. Yeah. And uh, it's a brilliant song, very, mm. very simple. Did you want me to sing it? I'd love you to. I will sing it to you. you. And it's the arrangement of Alison who lives in Australia. She's a speech therapist, and I am eternally grateful for this idea. Every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. Every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. I'm so glad every little cell in my body is happy and well. I'm so glad every little cell if my body is happy and well. I challenge anybody not to be smiling now. That's <laughs> fun. That yeah. was brilliant. It is fun. Thank and you, Alison. It, it, there's so many attributes towards it, including breath. You know, it yeah. just helps us breathe, that little song. And obviously, if we're breathing more deeply, we're feeling a little bit better. I could go on all day, but I think you get what I mean. I love just it. getting that song... And, and singing it out when all other things are just yes. not going quite right. So let's connect it to the, to the buzzword of the moment, which is well-being. That is, that is just a word for the moment, I think. Yeah, music can make a big difference to our mental health and our well-being. Alison used it uh, as a mantra <laughs> to feel good. She said that active singing controls our breath, helps reduce anxiety. It oxygenates the blood, which maximizes our ability to feel well. Singing and repeating that will make us start to feel well. Mm -hmm. And creating repetition helps us to perceive that everything is safe yeah. and, and well. Thank you. Perfect. You, Linda, have... A beautiful singing voice. You are a competent musician. I'm in your study here. It's surrounded with guitars, a piano, but also baskets of beautiful other instruments. What would you say to listeners who are enjoying the listen, but actually deep down they're thinking to themselves, but I could never sing like that. I, I just haven't got it in me. I'm not confident enough. I, I'm not skilled enough. How can I do anything? 
Well, of course, I mean, uh, confidence comes with repetition, doesn't it, really? So having a little bit, having a little song maybe and keep repeating that song, you'll soon become confident in singing it. It doesn't come overnight, but most of us can sing, believe me. And I think just try something really simple with the young children that you've got. Don't, you don't have to have a huge repertoire. You just have to have maybe three or four songs that your are your signature, mm. your your tidy up song, your little rabbit song, your twinkle twinkle song, anything that children can really attach themselves to, to you with. And I think once you realise just how much response you're getting from the children, that will help you with your confidence. There's mm. no one way about it, but it it is, you know, practice helps. Just keep, and keep you, singing in the car on the way to... Yeah. You know. Um, you, you talked about that being important, warming up your voice, actually, before you're going to use yeah. it all day. It's surprising um, just how much your voice... I mean, if, when I wake up in the morning, if someone asked me to sing something at half past eight in the morning, they would get something dreadful because I haven't oiled my voice. My voice has hardly any liquid around it. My vocal cords are dry and sleepy and I need to wake myself up. And there's lots of different ways I do that, especially if I'm going into doing singing mm. in mm. particular. But I think just generally we need to look after our voices. Hey, we need our voices every day as early years practitioners mm. and parents. Not being able to express ourselves with our voices is so important that we, we look after our voices, I think. And, and also get children to respond to our quieter voices and not just uh, shouting everything, because shouting is really going to ruin our voices. Just getting children to respond to and listening and to tuning in to our quieter voices is important. The singing voice develops by just practice. You know, if you're going to work, maybe remember the song that you're going to sing with the children and, and sing it a few times on your way to work. Mm. That can help. Humming, ooing, laring, anything like that will just really help the singing voice. And I love you. You had a phrase about scooping up a song. So starting oh. off as the spoken phrase, and then just just swooping it into something a little bit more musical. Yes, I mean, I think if we're a little bit worried, we'll just, especially if there's other adults in the room, I hope you agree, that is dreadful if you've got this idea and then suddenly another adult appears or maybe a governor or somebody walks through the room and, oh, no, it's a horrible feeling. But actually just understanding that our children's voices mostly are quite high Mm. And our speaking voices as adults are quite low, mostly. So if we take, for an example, if we're going to sing the wheels on the bus, I would say to the children, OK, children, let's sing the wheels on the bus. Immediately, I would think about what note I'm going to start on. If I sing it with a speaking voice, I would do this. OK, we're going to sing the wheels on the bus. Go round and round, round and round, round and you see, I really yeah. didn't do anything there. Yeah, yeah. If we want to make it a little bit more musical, maybe we can just scoop it up a bit. So, that, okay, children, we're going to sing the wheels on the bus. The wheels on the bus. Lovely. Instantly, mm. it's a song more than just a speaking yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important. But most important is actually understanding where where our children's voices lie. Because we've got, there's so many different, our children have all got a different voice. So understanding where they lie so that we really, really tap into the pitch of our children's voices is really, really important. 
I've heard that and tried it out. I may have heard it from you. <laughs> um, tried it out where somebody is is sort of not singing in tune. One child is is sort of one in the group mm. who who is grumbling along, and actually doing the opposite of what you've just said. Instead of scooping it up, actually go, just take it down mm. as tiny bit at a time to find the pitch that that child is most comfortable at and then presumably indeed uh, i worked uh, alongside a wonderful uh singer and vocal coach lynn marsh who many of you might have heard of sings and plays and writes the most beautiful music and she had a, a daughter has a daughter and she had a son and natasha was singing a beautiful song which she was recording at the time and along the bottom, there seemed to be this... And when they listened back to this recording, she suddenly realised that it was Ben trying to sing along. And she did a lot of research, a lot of investigation. And it's simple. Ben's voice was low. Dasha's voice was high. He couldn't scoop up there. So what she did was really taught us that we must listen to children's voices. And so that sometimes maybe we won't sing the wheels on the bus with a high voice. Yeah. Maybe we'll sing it to match Ben's voice. Yeah. You know, so I think... It's listening, It's isn't listening it? to your children, mm. getting to know the voices. Mm. And we've all got one in the class who maybe seems to be rumbling along the bottom and they're the ones who need those songs a little sung a little bit lower for mm. them. And so, and eventually once they've got confidence, they'll scoop up. So you've beautifully explained how music and song can be woven into our everyday, whether we're at home, nursery, school, wherever we are, um, into each and every day. But it is a creative subject, isn't it? So where would you, where would you put music alongside arts and crafts, for example? Or, oh, okay. Well, do you know what, when we're starting the day or when we have our meetings to decide what activity is going where um, and we'll put out the messy play area and we'll make sure that it's well accessible and if we're using um, a, a specific scheme we might say well it's for the children to choose um, the, the art and craft that they want. I wonder whether we can do something like that with musical instruments. Is there a way that we can make our musical instrument and sound making area whether it be inside or outside just as important as the art easel and if we do that have we got time just to sit and watch and observe and to look at how children are developing musical musically and and you know what do they bring to the musical corner do they bring their own ideas what's been happening at home this is what it, it all comes out when we're playing in the role play corner, in the art corner, in the music corner. From there, we can build on this. And I just think it's a hugely creative area, and but one that's often overlooked because of the noise. I do understand the noise is really hard, so it's finding a place where this free play musical area can be. Maybe it's outside or in a covered outside area. Um, I've seen some great stuff done in the bathrooms, by the way. The acoustics in there are wonderful. But it's just finding a place where children can go, uninterrupted by adult ideas. And, of course, we've got brilliant ideas as adults, but they're not the same as children's. It doesn't. Music doesn't need to be all adult-led. That's what you're doesn't. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's wonderfully if it's child-initiated and child-led. 
but it's nice and easy for you to take home your box um, modelling or your art piece of work. It's not so easy to take home those little musical songs or little ideas. So are we, you know, giving enough thought to that musical area? Can we record some of the things that go on and then maybe send those off to our parents or carers? Yes, and that's perfectly possible now. I think a lot of settings are using tablets more and more. Mm. So just hitting record um, to, yeah, to provide some evidence of, yeah. And I've seen little cloth baskets or bags with just a couple of shakers or claves or, you know, whatever it is, just, just simple little things. It doesn't have to be all the instruments in that space but just have a place where they can can be expressive and musically yeah so you take these these beautiful baskets you've got um you would take these or you you would do if you were running a set a session um and you would how, how would you expect the children to use those instruments do we need to be do we need to teach the children how to respect quality instruments? I think it's a lot to do with uh, role modeling. So um, I like to have a nice cloth to put our instruments on and to carefully put them down and um, treat them very respectfully. And I think that that is something children will pick up very, very quickly. Um, if they've got a good sound, we're more likely to respect them. I must say, so good quality, sustainable instruments, not just plastic things that are just going to break really quickly if a shaker is bashed on the floor. And I've seen it so many times, a shaker explode in the middle of a nursery um, music session, which, you know, is not a particularly nice experience. But, <clears throat> yes, making them sustainable or making our own instruments is another way of respecting instruments, of course. If we've made them, we're more likely to look after them and be proud of them and celebrate them and then hopefully take them home and share them with our families. Linda, you're just spilling out, this wisdom just spilling out of your mouth at every every turn. Um, we do need to draw to an end, but is there anything that you would want to say to maybe a new parent, somebody who's welcoming their firstborn into the world and wanting their little one to experience happiness and joy because actually that's what we all want for our children well um a little while ago i met a a very nice chap who i was working with and he had just become a new parent and um he was talking about how um they'd had a particularly fractious day with the baby and they got to tea time and they sat down on the sofa together and they're looking through their phones for answers as to why why is the baby crying why why are they doing this is the nappy color they're okay and all these worrying things that come out of being a new parent and he said and in the end we just threw the phones away and sung with the baby and it was just absolute music to my ears excuse the pun but it yeah. just means you know if we can just relax and just sing and soothe and rock and jump and and just be joyful in a musical way with our babies. And I just think um, life can be just that little bit better. Perfect. Maybe to practitioners, uh, you know, it's stressful. It's stressful in schools at the moment. It's stressful in early years. Budgets are tight. You know, it, it is... 
It is tough to be a practitioner. Um, yeah, what a little word to them just to... I mean, it's so easy to say I haven't got time. I say, I've got this to do and I've got snack time and I've got this time and I've got to fill in this form and I've got to do this. But um, just sometimes I think we really do need to just take a breath, us and the children together, one lovely breath and have a little song just to make things, you know, every little cell maybe or just twinkle, twinkle or anything that the children really love just to sing and then get on with these other things, you know, maybe just just that little moment is quite nice. Love it. Lovely way to end. And I'm going to just signpost all our listeners to go to YouTube or wherever to to find that Every Little Cell song. Yeah, to sing it on your way home as well. Thank you, Linda. It's been a joy to be here and meeting you again after so many years and still reaching out, still having an impact. Um, so really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening and we hope you're left with some food for thought and ideas to try. You might like to subscribe to our podcasts on your preferred platform and follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And why not head over to our website www.turninglittlestones.co.uk where you'll find show notes for each episode, previous podcasts, blogs and even details on how to delve a little deeper. If you like what you hear, Please leave us a review and let us know if there's an area that you would like us to cover. So finally, thank you for every like, share, comment, encouragement, and of course for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.